to another edition of the JP Hoops Podcast, a very special free agency edition going through what teams are winners and losers of this year's free agency period. It was a ton of fun. Monday was a big day, seeing a lot of different players signed to new teams, seeing how different teams are taking different approaches for this upcoming season. whole lot to get to, including my Miami Heat, a lot of people's New York Knicks, and of course, the Los Angeles Lakers. But first, let's do a quick shout out to our people at the Book It Sports app, the number one social media community for all things sports betting. If you are into sports gambling, as I am, there is no reason not to be on the Book It Sports app. Go share your plays with a community full of other sports bettors. Get great content and more from the Book It Sports team. And go ahead and create your own content. You never know what's going to happen. Go check out the Book It Sports app today. Recording this episode on Wednesday, August 4th. A whole lot to get to. And as a Miami Heat homer, let me start really quick with what the Miami Heat have done. I think they get an A-plus from everything that has happened over free agency. A huge week for the Miami Heat, Pat Riley and Eric Spolstra, as they lock in a couple of Key players that have always been a part of the team for the last few years, including the 2020 championship run to the finals, and a player that they did give up assets for in Victor Oladipo set to resign. They get one of, I would say, the top five players that were technically on the market, players that were, regardless of situation, going to move on. In Kyle Lowry, they lock in Duncan Robinson, lock in Jimmy Butler, both to big-time contracts. And then they get Lowry, P.J. Tucker, who just won an NBA championship, is a key part of the Milwaukee Bucks. Oladipo set to return. That was during the entire James Harden trade saga. He stays in Miami, even though he's set to miss at least half of the 21-22 season. Resign Max Strauss, resign Gabe Vincent, Dwayne Dedman coming back. And then Markeith Morris, former Los Angeles Laker, joins the Miami Heat. And when you look at the landscape of the Eastern Conference, and of course, this past season for the Miami Heat was a disaster, only picking up the sixth seed, dealing with injuries all season long, the shortest offseason of any team in the NBA alongside the Los Angeles Lakers, just to get swept in the first round by the team that winds up winning the championship in the Milwaukee Bucks. So they knew they needed to add as well as keep the core together that allowed them to make the NBA Finals one year ago. And that meant making sure Jimmy Butler's here for the long term. Duncan Robinson, a guy who gets thrown in trade rumors all the time, there's no doubt about his future anymore. He signs a five-year, $90 million contract. You get Kyle Lowry, someone who's won an NBA championship, is a veteran leader to take over the point guard position as you let go of Goran Dragic and Kendrick Nunn. You also get P.J. Tucker, who the Bucks wound up trading for midseason last year en route to winning the team's first NBA championship in 50 years, 
and he proved to be a vital part of that team, whether it was just his mentality of being a dog, being an enforcer, hitting shots when needed, playing great defense, getting rebounds, even though he is a bit undersized for the power forward position. It was a great, great pickup for the Miami Heat. And then down the stretch of the season, Victor Oladipo gets healthy. He joins what is a stacked eight-man rotation in my mind. They're going to start Lowry, Duncan Robinson, Jimmy Butler, P.J. Tucker, Bam Adebayo, and then you get Tyler Hero and Victor Oladipo coming off the bench. Maybe Max Strauss plays a part. Maybe they go pick up a Lou Will who's still in the market. There's a lot that the Miami Heat are doing that are putting them in a prime position to be in this top tier in the Eastern Conference. I still don't think they're as good as the Nets. I still don't think they're on the same level of the Milwaukee Bucks, who they've seen in the playoffs the last two seasons, who just won an NBA championship. But I think other than that, with the uncertainty of the situation in Philadelphia, Ben Simmons, who knows where he's going to wind up and what the Sixers are going to get for him. The Boston Celtics in the midst of a full rebuild. The Hawks were a great story last year, but I don't think they have the talent on their team to compete with this Miami roster. And I think the Heat are solidified as the third best team in the East with potential to make the Eastern Conference Finals if the Bucks aren't able to run it back. So I think they had an A-plus offseason, the best offseason I think of any team. Maybe I'm being biased, but I really don't think I am. They retained their core pieces that were going to leave. They get rid of some you know, weight in Goran Dragic, who I loved as a Heat fan, but he wasn't a game changer. I think Kyle Lowry is a game changer. And they get P.J. Tucker, which was huge, and they justify their role in that James Harden trade by keeping Victor Oladipo. All right, so the Miami Heat, great story, great free agency period, but they are not the number one story in the league. The number one story is whatever the hell is going on in Los Angeles with the Lakers. So, of course, they have Anthony Davis. Of course, they have LeBron James. Everyone else was up for grabs, off a contract, or they were getting traded. We saw Kyle Kuzma, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, Montrez Harrell, and some picks all go to the Washington Wizards in order to get Russell Westbrook, a Hall of Famer, former MVP, Mr. Triple-Double, to run it with LeBron and AD. They also lose Alex Caruso. I mentioned a new Heat pickup, Markeith Morris. He's gone. They're able to get Dwight Howard back in the building. They're able to sign THT, Talon Horton Tucker, to a big-time contract in order for him to stay. Wayne Ellington comes over. Malik Monk comes over. Trevor Ariza. Kendrick Nunn, former Miami Heat backup, now going to get a chance to back up Russell Westbrook with this Lakers team. Carmelo Anthony linking up with his best friend in pursuit of his first NBA title. I honestly genuinely do not know what to make of this Lakers team. You need veteran experience to win in the NBA postseason. That is without a doubt. But you also need young guys who can give it their all for 30 minutes every single night in the postseason. You need legs 
by the time you get to the postseason, after you do all of the things you can to put yourself in a position to win during the regular season. When you have Russell Westbrook, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, not to say they're all injury-prone guys. Anthony Davis is injury-prone. The other two, not so much. But when you are trying to do showtime and push transition and do all of these different things night in and night out, by the time you get to the postseason, you're gassed. LeBron James is going to be 37 years old this season. Russell Westbrook, that's been the only real knock on him over the last five seasons is that by the time the playoffs come around, he's gassed. And with that lack of jump shot, he's not going to win you playoff games. Carmelo Anthony, this is a guy who has never been to an NBA Finals. It's a little confusing. And now when you look at the youth of this team, they have seven guys on the roster older than 32 years old. And you have Kendrick Nunn, who's in his third season, but still 26 years old. THT, good young player. Malik Monk, I believe this is going to be his fifth season in the NBA. And then you have a bunch of old heads. Ariza, Dwight Howard, Carmelo, LeBron, Russell Westbrook. Anthony Davis is technically young, but his body is built like a 70-year-old man. It's going to be very interesting to see how this team season plays out. I think more interesting than Brooklyn, because with Brooklyn, at least you know you have three superstars either in or just exiting their primes. I still think KD is going to be the best or second best player in the league next season. Kyrie Irving, mental case, but when he's on the floor, very, very good. James Harden, maybe he starts to dip down as he has a full year with a lacked responsibility, assuming Katie and Kyrie play a lot all season long. You don't really know. But with the Lakers, it's almost a brand new team and a bunch of old pieces that, quite frankly, didn't work out on other teams. Dwight Howard wasn't working in Philly. Carmelo Anthony, he went to the Rockets for a super team and it failed. He went to the Thunder for a super team and it failed. He's been in Portland. They haven't done much. So now he comes over to L.A. and you don't know what to expect. Lakers, very, very interesting team. My early prediction, if Anthony Davis is healthy, and you could count on LeBron James as always. If you have Russell Westbrook at least giving you spurts of greatness. Not consistent greatness, but spurts of greatness, especially enough in the regular season to give the Lakers close to a 1-2-3 to two to three seed in the West, then I think they're going to be okay. And I think a lot of it all depends on Anthony Davis's health. But if his health isn't good, if it's not good, well, then things get a little fishy. Because then at this point, your only big men are going to be Dwight Howard and Marcus All. And that is a huge problem for a team that we just saw get bullied by DeAndre Ayton in the first round of the postseason. So, I don't know if they're considered winners or losers, honestly, in this trade deadline free agency period. It's really fascinating to see the roster that they put together because they're basically telling you, hey, if we don't win this year with LeBron James, I mean, we're done. 
because this team, the way it's built, has no future outside of the 2021-2022 season. They just don't. Because you, you have LeBron, yeah. You have Anthony Davis, yes. They're going to be there. Are they going to be good still? Like, we know, we always have this conversation of when LeBron goes off the cliff. Well, he's going to be 37 years old. This team cannot afford a year with no production. They just, they simply cannot. And they have all of these guys that are signing on one-year, two-year deals. What happens? They already gave up all their draft picks in the Anthony Davis trade. They gave up all of their young core. Kuzma gone. Remember when they traded for AD? Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, gone. Caruso, a pretty young player, gone. Now it's after LeBron James, assuming Anthony Davis isn't still around, it's going to turn into the Kendrick Nunn-Malik Monk show. And that's hoping that you re-sign these guys because they didn't sign to long-term deals. It's going to be fascinating to see how the Lakers play out this year. I think they're going to be one of the more interesting teams of the season. Another team that's really going to be interesting because it is a whole new cast of characters the Chicago Bulls, they were, I think they picked up the best player available in the free agent market because Chris Paul, we're not going to consider him available because he re-signed right away. Kawhi Leonard is technically still available, but I don't think there's any doubt that he's going to return to the Clippers. Whether it's a one-year deal or a max deal, no one really knows. The Chicago Bulls get Lonzo Ball, who was available. Big get for Chicago. What does it mean for Kobe White, who's a good young point guard? Probably going to play behind him on the bench. And they also, in the sign and trade, get DeMar DeRozan for three years. Veteran leadership, someone who could score at different levels, not necessarily a three-point threat, but someone that you want to take control of the offense when control is necessary. When Lonzo wants to run the transition all the time, hey, let's get the ball to DeMar to calm things down. They also get Alex Caruso on a four-year deal. I don't really know. So now that starting five turns into Lonzo Ball, Zach Levine, who a lot of people expect to take a big step, DeMar DeRozan, Lori Markkinen is still considered a free agent, but the Bulls do have a qualifying offer on him, so he's restricted. Assume that he comes back. If not, it'll be Patrick Williams, the second-year player out of Florida State. And then Nikola Vucevic, after the big trade that they made during last year's trade deadline. Whether this is a winning team or not, fascinating. When was the last time you thought to watch a Chicago Bulls game? As a matter of fact, when was the last time the Chicago Bulls were on t national TV for you to even watch? This team will draw eyeballs. Lonzo Ball in MJ's home when his dad said he could beat him. DeMar DeRozan, someone who kind of went away from the spotlight after he went from Toronto to San Antonio. We didn't watch any of those Spurs games ever since Tim Duncan left. So now he'll be in a big market. In an Eastern Conference where there's a lot of room at the bottom to sneak into the postseason. 
I think this is a team that I would watch every single time they're on TV. Because Zach Levine is exciting. Lonzo Ball is exciting. Vucevic is a top, if not top five, top seven center in the league. Consistent all-star. Zach Levine, an all-star last season. Exciting player. Alex Caruso, the meme of the NBA, going to be there. Under Billy Donovan. You will watch those games. I would consider them winners of the free agency period because if nothing at all, they are relevant. And another team that I'll talk about that will be at the bottom of that Eastern Conference, the New York Knicks, I would give them the edge over that team right now. So, just compare the two. Let's look at what the New York Knicks did right now. Their big get of the offseason was Kemba Walker, who signed today. Good contract for them because the Thunder bought out the his huge contract that he originally had with the Celtics. They buy him out of it. And they get Kemba Walker for two years for anywhere around 8 to $9 million. Upgrade at the point guard position. Then they'll start R.J. Barrett. They sign Evan Fournier, who was on the Celtics, traded to the Celtics last year. And then they have Julius Randle, Mitchell Robinson. And they keep... All of these kind of funky pieces that worked at points last year, but not really great consistent pieces. They re-signed Nerlens Noel. They re-signed Alec Burks. They re-signed Derrick Rose. Which team do you take? You know what you're getting from the Knicks. And also, let's just remind everybody, we know Bulls fans know this because he was their coach the last time the Bulls were relevant. Tom Thibodeau. After that first year, these guys just get burnt to shreds. Julius Randle can't lead the league in minutes again. That's just not realistic. He played above his potential. We saw it in the postseason. He was gassed. He couldn't do what was expected of him during the regular season. That he was able to live up to. But when the playoffs came around, everything got a bit difficult. And it was evident. And that was against a Hawks team that, regardless of what you think of them, didn't have the matchups where they should have beaten a team that finished better than them in the regular season to beat them in five games. In five games. I think their biggest issue is point guard. They addressed that. Kemba had an off tenure in Boston. It was, it was very weird. Who knows how he's going to rebound from that. Didn't play in OKC. So, a more of a question mark, I would say. And the Bulls are a question mark as well. I'm not saying the Bulls are going to be great. But I'm saying when you compare the rosters, especially the starting lineup, and even the backup point guard. I mean, I would rather have Kobe White right now than Derrick Rose. I know Derrick Rose played great last year. And it was really the veterans on the Knicks, the ones that they kept around and signed to these insane contracts. I mean, Derrick Rose, three years, $43 million. Lawrence Noel, three years, $32. It, that seems a bit absurd for guys that were really, yes, the only productive players for them in the postseason, but these are not guys you're hoping to build the franchise around. You want to build it around RJ and Julius Randle and Mitchell Robinson. The Knicks, to me, are a little confusing. We all obviously overblow 
the free agency period because we have this notion that all of these free agents want to go to New York when the last big free agent they really signed was Amari Stoudemire 10 years ago. But when you look at what they did, they re-signed all these old names, guys that no one was really fighting for, and signed these big deals. And I guess you got to respect that they're trying to run it back. They, they upgraded the point guard. Maybe they think that they're in contention. But after you make the fourth seed in the East over the Miami Heat, over the Atlanta Hawks that made the Eastern Conference Finals, maybe you want to build a little more on that. Or maybe they're playing chess while the rest of the league's playing checkers. Maybe they know they don't have a shot, so they'll look towards 2022 and 2023. I don't know. But looking at both teams this season, going into next season, I would much rather watch these Chicago Bulls than the New York Knicks. I'm not sure how all of these returning players are going to look like under Tibbs, and I don't know how he's going to get those rotations out. Fascinating. Fascinating stuff. I know a lot of people want to talk about the Knicks. That's my take on the Knicks. Very confusing. I think Kemba Walker was a great pickup for minimum risk. The other contracts I'm not so sure about. A bunch of three years deals for a lot of money for players that really reached their ceiling last year. And I don't know how much more they're going to be able to produce. I think Julius Randle reached his ceiling as well, and I will guarantee he gets a contract extension soon. And so I don't know. It's fascinating stuff. And as I mentioned, the Atlanta Hawks, they did the right thing. Five-year contract for John Collins, extend Trey Youngs to a max while you could do it. Perfect. Those are the guys you were supposed to keep around. Not Nerlens Noel, Alec Burks. And Derrick Rose, way past his prime. So a couple other notes on free agency. A lot, a lot of weird things happening. The Raptors in that sign-and-trade for Kyle Lowry, they get Goran Dragic. Impressed Chachua, a couple good pickups. Uh, for a rebuilding team, you get a, a veteran to kind of show these guys the way. Andre Drummond, out of L.A., going to the Philadelphia 76ers after Joel Embiid has been trolling him basically for four years now. It'll be interesting to see those two guys in the front court. Maybe you could play some and beat at the four, perhaps, and let Andre Drummond just kind of eat up the interior and give Joel as much space as he wants to cook. Uh, Andre Drummond is a non-factor in the offensive game, but he could grab your rebounds and do a lot of productive things in the paint. Chris Paul insane contract, but honestly, the Suns needed to do it, in my opinion. He opts out of $44 million for next season and inks a four-year, $120 million contract. We won't recognize that that's a bad contract until after next season, I think, because the Suns are only going to get better the rest of their roster. Devin Booker's going to get better. DeAndre Ayton's going to get better. They had JaVale McGee, which was obviously a weak point against the Bucks. They didn't have another solid big man to defend Giannis when necessary. So I think with Chris Paul, he's going to make sure that this team is good again next year. The rest of the team is going to build that way. But after next season, he's going to hit a decline. And when he's going to get paid $30 million a year, 
when he's 38, 39, 40. Eh, it's going to be a little interesting on how they handle that situation. But other than that, free agency period's fun. Just saw that Spencer Dinwiddie is going to Washington. They send a second-round pick over to the Nets for a sign-and-trade. So from Russ and Bradley Beal to Spencer Dinwiddie and Bradley Beal. Yeah, exciting stuff. And the returning champion, Milwaukee Bucks, yes, they lose P.J. Tucker, but they re-signed Bobby Portis, who took a significant pay cut to stay in Milwaukee for two years. George Hill is going to come back to the team, and they get Semi Ojale as well. So that wraps up what has happened so far. Pretty much the all the good things in free agency. Uh, Steph Curry, first player ever to sign a on two 200 plus million dollar contracts through his career. I mean that guy deserves it more than anybody. LeBron would have done that if he stayed on one team, I think. But for a loyal guy, Steph Curry, go get your bag, kid. Congratulations. That's awesome. The remaining free agents, the interesting one is Kawhi Leonard. To me, there's no doubt that he stays in L.A. with the Clippers. Here's what's interesting, and I was listening to Chris Broussard on TV talk about this. So there's a potential because... He did tear a ligament in his knee over the postseason. He's going to miss at least half the year. So there are options for Kawhi. He could sign the one-year contract with the Clippers, maybe help them in the postseason. And then after that, he'll be eligible for a five-year, $235 million contract extension with the Clippers, which is absolutely insane. If you're the Clippers, look what you got out of Kawhi Leonard. A second-round exit, not being there for the Western Conference Finals, and you're going to miss him for half of this year. So this is a guy you're going to give $235 million to after he probably doesn't play this year, maybe helps you out in the postseason, or he'll sign a four-year, I guess, 170 something million dollar contract extension this year I guess Jimmy Butler got four years 185 so it'd probably be around that range I think that contract is worth it because then you get the control for the three years but if you sign him to one year with just the perspective of hopefully signing him after that I think that's a huge swing from Steve Ballmer and I know that he loves doing stuff like that but that is just head-scratching head-scratching to me after the lack of success that you've really had with Kawhi Leonard. I wouldn't do the one year. If you could get him for four years this year, I would say let him do it. But if not, maybe just cut your losses because I don't see him getting significantly better with after an injury, after a major knee injury. And if you sign him for the one year and he doesn't play next year, what? Then you just paid him for rehabbing? That seems ridiculous to me. I don't see how that comes about. Other notable free agents still around. You have Lou Williams. 
Lori Marketing, I mentioned before, restricted free agent, but hasn't signed any offer sheet yet or anything of the kind. DeMarcus Cousins still out there. Uh, Jared Allen with a big contract extension, so he'll be next to Evan Mobley. We'll get into the draft in a little bit. Free agency period was a ton of fun. A ton of fun. So it, it was a wild ride, shams and woes, trading blows, and we got a lot of information. Devontae Graham signing with the Pelicans. I mean, that's a big loss for Charlotte, I think, but I really don't know what the Pelicans are trying to do. Zion on his third coach in three years, and they give up his buddy, his running mate, his transition alley-oop thrower and Lonzo Ball. Blake Griffin running it back with the Nets. Very, very interesting developments coming from the NBA over the last week. It was a ton of fun. Most of the fun is over, but we're still waiting on Kawhi, which will obviously have everyone on the edge of their seats and some valuable players as well that we're unsure of what their situation is going to be. All right, let's talk a little NBA draft. So one, two, and three I nailed. That was always going to be the order. Cade Cunningham was going to go one, and I didn't see the Pistons giving that up for really anything unless they got like Bradley Beal and more, I think. They would have had to put together a team that could compete this year in order to dish out Cade Cunningham. So I think that was the perfect pick. He's going to be a staple franchise guy. Amazing. Jalen Green was always going to go two. Evan Mobley, three. They're going to pair him and Jared Allen in that front court together. The draft started to get interesting at number four. Now, I thought it, as of course we saw, and I predicted the Raptors were going to move on from Kyle Lowry. So I thought Jalen Suggs was a perfect player to take over that role and be the point guard of the future in Toronto. They opt for Scotty Barnes. Something very similar to what the Bulls did last year with their top pick taking Patrick Williams earlier than some projected. Same school, Florida State. Kind of just gritty guys. Guys that will help your team on all facets, but their ceiling isn't necessarily as high as other players are. Scotty Barnes is going to come in and contribute right away. His numbers aren't going to blow you away. But he is going to make his presence known on the floor. And I'm happy for Scotty Barnes. I love that he went for. I thought that he was going to go a bit deeper in the draft. I compared him to a bigger version of Davian Mitchell, who wound up going ninth to the Kings, who I thought was drafted a little low. But Scotty Barnes at four, that was really an eye-opener. And the Orlando Magic... You could criticize them for taking a point guard when Cole Anthony is going to run the show in Orlando, it seems. He was great for them last year and has a lot of prospect and potential at that point guard spot for Orlando. But Jalen Suggs was far and away the best player on the board at five. You have to take him and just like your chances and try to create something special in that backcourt. So I think that's a steal for Orlando. The fit is a little off. But you got to take the best player available in that spot. Biggest story out of the draft is that Golden State didn't make a bigger move. 
they use their 7th and 14th, two lottery picks, and they draft uh, Jonathan Kaminga, who was a G League player, and they get Moses Moody on the team as well from Arkansas. They are committed to the young guys, which to me was a little surprising. I thought with Clay Thompson returning, Steph Curry obviously inking that long extension. You don't know how many more years left you get of Draymond. You have James Wiseman, who is another guy with a ton of potential, but you don't know how it will work present day. Then maybe you try to move those guys, move an Andrew Wiggins, and get someone to help this team compete for an NBA championship next year. But they want to try to run it with the young guys. They had the two lottery picks. They weren't going to give them up. And they took a couple of really good players. Kaminga was someone that I had going in that top five. I thought he would go to Orlando when, obviously, they took Jalen Suggs. So pretty interesting that they went against the route of trying to build a team to win right now when they have been aggressive doing that, obviously, during the dynasty of the last I guess now it was two years ago, in that five-year window, they made all aggressive moves. They got Kevin Durant, Andre Iguodala, Sean Livingston, David West, DeMarcus Cousins, guys that they signed in route to win an NBA championship. Nah, they took a couple of young kids who they hope will help the team out this year. It is fascinating to me. I don't know how it's going to play out. I hope. I thought last year before the Clay Thompson injury that Golden State would be in a position to win the title. And I still think that with those two guys in the backcourt, if Clay Thompson returns to even half of his previously seen form, that they're going to be a very good team. But I still feel like, and maybe this is just in my head from the dynasty years, that they have something planned where they're going to get another big name to join Steph Curry. And that, uh, I don't know who it's going to be. I, I could sense it, and I know all NBA fans of the 2010s know that Golden State has to have some type of master plan because they still have too much talent in order to not truly go for it this year. All right, that'll wrap things up for this Wednesday episode recapping free agency and the NBA draft. Be sure to tune in next week. We'll break things down a little bit more. Hopefully the Kawhi Leonard stuff will be cleared up. Hopefully all these other mid-tier free agents sign and we could really put a picture together of how the NBA will shape out for the 21-22 NBA season also. USA Basketball entering the semifinals of the Olympics. We'll see if they could bring home a gold medal or if Luka Doncic could wind up bringing one home for Slovenia. Appreciate you guys. Thanks for tuning in. I'll talk to you next week.